and welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I, of course, want to thank my incredible Patreon supporters who get a shout-out on every single episode. Rob, Frankie, Emily, Greg, Rocco, and Case. If you would like a shout-out at the top of each episode of Autographs, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Stormageddon. And any level, $5 or higher, you get a shout-out on the show, plus a lot of other really cool stuff. Um, also something important to just say, and I think I'll probably say in perpetuity forever um, before getting to this week's episode, is that Black Lives Matter and they deserve basic fucking human rights. I feel like that needs to be said for a while, if not forever. So moving on, this week's episode, uh, my guest is the incredible Pat Edwards. He is a podcaster, an author, a D&D campaign creator. Um, he came on the show to promote The Red Opera, which is a D&D campaign that he co-wrote, as well as talk about his book, Space Tripping, and the forthcoming sequel that will be out eventually at a nebulous time, and we get into that, and of course, his podcast, Let's Rewatch. So enough about me telling you about what this episode's about. Let's get into it, and you can hear it for yourself when I chat with my incredible guest, Pat Edwards. And yeah, and we can talk about whatever. If you want to rant and rave about Scott Pilgrim for a half hour, we can do that too. <laughs> whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, but first, I do want to thank you, Pat, for joining me. The incredible Pat Edwards, writer, podcaster, D&D player, all-around nerd. It's good to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um I feel like I'm just slowly going to acquire all of my favorite podcasters across all of the podcasts I do. I like that that um, strategy because then I know I'll get good interviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's start. I really actually want to start the podcast by talking about the Red Opera, what it is, how people can find it, what your, what your hand in it is, because this is the big thing that you're plugging. I'm going to run an ad at the end of the show for it. Um, you know, all the other stuff you're working on is important too, but I know this is kind of like a passion project that is fresh and as we speak is in, in the process of revving up. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, we can dive right in on that because that is definitely uh, the project du jour at the moment <laughs> that's taken up the lion's share of my time. So uh, the five-second version is I co-wrote a 5e D&D campaign book. Um it's called the Red Opera. It's called that because it's actually the genesis for it was myself and the other head writer, Rick Hines, phenomenal human being and writer. Um, does a lot of D&D based writing for Nerdist and Geek and Sundry in the past. Were, we were hired by um, a band called Dia Morte. Mm -hmm. And they have an album and a stage show that they perform called the Red Opera. And it's gothic metal with like an orchestral backing okay i'll say mm -hmm. so there's a lot of i admittedly full i'm not the biggest like metal fan but I, there is a lot of overlap in the venn diagram of metal fans and D, &D fans there's definitely right. um so but and rick knows the lead singer of that band and so we did it as kind of a lark 
I was like, yeah, let's do this thing. Who knows? And it's really turned into something very special. It is the book. It's it is a full blown, um, eighty thousand word campaign. Like would probably take if you did a weekly session with your friends, it'll probably take you a year to play through it. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And we created our own setting, city. Um, it was cool to kind of use the album as sort of a starting framework because there's ten tracks on the album, so we broke the the campaign into ten chapters. And each chapter is three acts. Um and it's a lot of fun and, and pretty crazy and wild and, and 90% original content as far as like the monsters and NPCs and things and, and abilities. And uh, we've created it's very, it's warlock, very warlock heavy. So, okay, we have this idea. We're, we're so Rick and I, we're gonna make more of these because we had such a fun time and it's gone so well that we want to make more campaigns. But what one thing we like to do is, and we, we did it for this one, and we want to do more of them is. We want them to be very, cl- uh, like, focused on a specific class where you can okay. play any ca- class or character, but it's very much uh, there's a through line. And for this one, the through line is warlocks. The city where this takes place in is, it, it, it's a class that we feel like has been overlooked in the past, and there isn't really many warlock focused content and campaign out there. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a lot of crazy things you can do with them, a lot of flexibility in the class. We created our own two new subclasses that'll be playable for Warlock for people to play. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And then tons of bonus content, too, that I'm working on. Um, I'm doing miniature mini adventures and side quests throughout that I'm, I'm you know demoing and previewing on in podcast form and Twitch form. And uh, it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. That's really cool. And so... Had you had any experience writing on this level before? I mean, like, so you've written books and you've written short stories, but did you have any other campaign writing experiences in, with D&D? Because I know you've played it for a little while. Or is this the first time you've really di- dived in on something like this? Oh, this is definitely the first time I've written. I've been a D&D fan for, you know, a number of years now. Uh, definitely not a lifelong one. It's kind of a later adopter than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But... Um, more as an adult, really, slept kind of in this like resurgence it's had over the last decade. I feel like it's just had a lot more with all of the real play podcasts and everything. But um, no, this is definitely an, an interesting animal, and not one I advise anyone try to do by themselves. Writing a novel by yourself is one thing, but a, D- <laughs> a tabletop RPG campaign, you're gonna want a team of people. I would imagine. Yeah. It's it, there's a it's a lot of work. It's one of those things where and plus you can kind of get in your own head, I think, too much. And you have it's good to have other people to kind of like, well, what if the player does this? Like, oh, I never thought of that. It's like, yeah, because you're kind of you, especially when you're um, the way we did it was very interesting because we had the way we divided duties was. Everyone had input. I mean, myself and Rick, we were, you know, we were like going back and forth and stuff. But we each had two separate, like, primary jobs, and then we would bounce stuff off each other and collaborate. Like, his primary job was narrative, the story, the drama, the NPCs that the players play through. I was, and I loved my job because, and I want to do it again and again because I got to basically create the toys, as I call it, like build right. the sandbox and create the toys. So, I like designed. The city and the setting where it takes place, and th- 
thought of like the monsters that you encounter and other NPCs that you encounter and, and uh, the encounters themselves, like the challenges and the puzzles and the fights and original like magic items and all of that fun stuff and really had fun. And for fans of D&D, I think, I think you'll really enjoy it and I want you to go get it because this is not going to be a boring grind them out campaign. It is right. very, you would all say, dynamic. Every encounter, there are no, I'm, I'm trying to, there are no straight up, you're in a room with three monsters, you fight them, <laughs> they fight you. There was always stuff happening around you, or it's like, yeah, you're fighting this monster, but you also are doing it while you're trying to balance on a tightrope. <laughs> or, <laughs> and actually, I even tell you, from one of the one of the early things you do is, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but basically you are trying to wrangle these roving monstrosities and stop them from getting to a populace and fight them off. But at the same, you're doing it while riding dog sleds across a frozen tundra. So you gotta like protect your pooches. And like, so it's, I'll say very like what I call dynamic encounters where there's, there's not just one thing happening. It's, I have to fight this thing, but also manage this other thing at the same time. That's awesome. I love, I love that kind of complexity. Like, Murder hallways are not my favorite thing in D&D, D- mm-hmm. especially as I get older. I find as I play with m- more DMs regularly and get into a groove with a certain DM, like mm-hmm. the more story and talking and making shit up that we can do, I find I have more fun than just rolling dice and picking numbers out of a hat. Like that stuff is important for making characters and for combat, but I feel like if that's all you're doing, if you're just rolling dice, that's less interesting in a D&D campaign. And I'm not judging those who like doing that. Some people just like the combat and the base mechanics, and that's fine, but that's not what I come to D&D for. I like diversity, and and it sounds like this campaign setting will have that kind of diversity in it. No, I'm with you in the sense of... um... I love the roleplay aspect of D&D. So when I'm playing, I have so much more fun doing that. And just the the banter you can come of people who are comfortable with each other, especially if you're playing with people that are sort of do it a lot or, talent, or you know, talented improv people um, or puzzles or encounters or not even puzzles where it's like you're in a room and there's three pillars and one is gold and two are silver. Not that type of puzzle. Just puzzle in... in you have an objective and you got to be creative and figure out a creative way to get there. Yeah. I think that's really important for keeping a player engaged as well. You know, if, if again, when like, I feel like when people are creating their own stories, they're, they're being dynamic and however they want, but also some people maybe don't want to create their own story. They want to guide people through a narrative, which is not too dissimilar from playing a heavily narrative video game, right? You're following Mm -hmm. the narrative that's pre-created, but you're making your own choices. Um, and I think that kind of freedom is important when making a campaign setting. Cause if you just, if you, in the same way where you're writing a campaign as you go, if you lock them into a path and they go, well, I want to do this, which is like over on the left, far outside the scope, then you're going to be completely unprepared. But if you have like branching paths and diversity, then you can kind of accommodate for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's, an interesting challenge. Yeah, it's the whole finding that balance of giving some custom, some control to the DM because so they can kind of make it their own. Yeah. But at the same time, they paid you good money for an adventure, right? So it can't be totally. It can't be. Uh, 
I don't want to check any name brands, but it can't be the very large <laughs> European furniture company we all know where it's like, here, here are the raw ingredients. Build it yourself. Give me $50 right. for a book. So it, it's definitely, it's like walking that line of we're going to map it out for you for the most part and give you like the tools you need, but we're also going to give you in certain areas, a lot of wiggle room to kind of make it yours. And also based on what the players, cause we don't know what the hell the players are going to do. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun of it too, is seeing what the players and the DMS do with this thing that you've given them, this gift you've given them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been also, you've written books, you've written short stories. Was writing this campaign harder or easier than writing that other stuff? Or is it just different? I say just different. They both uh, have, they're both a lot of fun in their own rights. They're both very difficult and maddening in their own rights. <laughs> one way. And, uh, but yeah, very, very different and unique. And um, I think what I enjoyed what I enjoyed about the difficulties of this, of the DD project versus the book. So here's the thing with, with writing a novel, especially the stuff I write. Cause it's like sci-fi fantasy. It's so it's, I mean, I can, you know, I can do sex mocking the shit out of a book, a novel if I need to right? Cause right. it's like, Oh, they come across an alien creature who just happens to have this weird ability that solves their problem. Like, right. You don't want to do that. Cause people call it, but at the same time, um, you can kind of almost do whatever you want. Now, and then the challenge is, is it actually a good story, right? That people enjoy right. reading. And um, with this, what was very fun, but also challenging and it's sometimes frustrating is there's a lot more hurdles, right? Or there's a lot more sort of parameters you have to work within the rule. There's the rules of the game for one. And then there is the whole, is this too difficult or not difficult enough? And, and, and the stuff we've already talked about, you know, it's yeah. just, so there's it, it and, but it's also forces and I'm a big proponent of this is, and you see it all the time. It's a little cliche about how um, challenge breeds creativity. Yeah. Where you see you see a lot with creative people, right? Where one of their first big things that you see where they did it on like a shoestring budget. And it's amazing. Like, and let's talk like directors because dire- I think that happens a lot with film directors, is right? Right. They'll put together something on a very indie limited budget. It's amazing. And then they get a blank check from a big studio and we get the prequels. So it's like, so I mean, yeah, I think challenge breeds creativity. So, and there's a lot of challenges and you have all of these different boxes you have to make sure you're checking. And it's first, it's like, oh, this is really limiting, but it's like, no, forcing yourself to find ways around that brings you around to an even better solution an even better piece of creativity than you would have ever thought of without those challenges pushing you for sure yeah i also think with depending on your creative enterprise what the end goal is or where you see yourself going also helps motivate um you know your own your our own uh limits and quarantine tend to motivate us now i feel like a lot of creatives i know Mm -hmm. have either hit one wall or the other right they're either so fucking miserable that they don't want to do anything and and i've been on that side or they're trying to put three projects together at once because they have all this time and they'll go insane if they're not working on something um Mm -hmm. do you think uh now living through this experience especially having a family has that influenced your writing at all like as you continue to work on new novels and short stories has that affected it yeah so i'm 
in this weird position where I am still frothing at the mouth and like a like a bull trying to kick at its pen before a rodeo because for me I have I'm I'm one of those people that the the quarantine has drastically reduced the time I have to work to get my work done and get right. on this because I have two small children as you know and yeah. um that you know are not in daycare um so it's the so I do not have that time to lay around and binge watch Netflix so it's it's I still which is, so it's one of those things where it's like ah oh, man I could be getting so much done but at the same time it's great and also I think in the long run my kids have kept me saner than I would yeah. be. While you know, while day to day, there's moments of like, oh my gosh, it's getting better now because the weather's getting nice for or, <laughs> where I'm at. But um, I think long term, it's been amazing because it's just kept me really sane. But it's also helped me focus, and I don't have the burnout because I haven't scratched the surface of the amount of time I want to spend doing stuff, and that's okay. Which is probably good because I'm definitely the type of if you I was completely un you know, unconstrained, I would burn myself out in a week where I would just <laughs> sleep two hours a night and then get up <laughs> and work out for three hours and then write for 15 hours straight without looking up from my computer. Like, yeah. like I have kind of like an addictive personality like that with things I'm passionate about. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely to a fault. So I try to, I try to addict myself. I try to get addicted to net positive things, right? Anything <laughs> sure. can be a problem if you do, if you get to, but so, like exercise is definitely an addiction, but things like, you know, or being creative, I try to avoid, I, I used to love video games, I try to avoid them right now just because I'm trying to stay focused, I have so much I have to get done and want to get done, that, sure. um, yeah, it's very, it's been, I don't know, it will be interesting when we get to a point where we're comfortable and they open up daycares and if we're comfortable, send, you know, if we're comfortable sending them back right away, but when we right. finally get to that point and they are going back, I, I really hope I am still frothing at the mouth and hungry and to get even more more cool shit made for sure well i think also we're very lucky to live in a time where access is never like the bar for access has never been lower like mm-hmm. when i first started podcasting way back eight or nine years ago um <laughs> like you know you, if you had an ipad and a dream you could make a podcast and some of my old episodes of my music review show were recorded exactly that way and they're terrible but like now, even a, a, like I use a really great broadcast mic, but you don't need that to make decent quality audio. Hell, even for a live setting, the iPhone has a decent voice recorder if you're getting like on-site interviews and stuff. And so I feel yeah. like we're part of what keeps me going is the fact that I have this ability to do stuff. Like as of when we're recording this, I recently launched a new video game series within the Fun and Games feed, which is my gaming podcast. And like... I went from having no, like one or two episodes planned to 15 episodes banked and like 30 in process. And that's insane to me. I never thought I would have been able to reach people that way. But because of the access of the internet and other things, I feel like creating has never been easier. Do you find now at this point in your life writing and creating stories is easier because like information is at your fingertips? Yeah, I'd say it's just, I I have, man, if I don't, I have so much I want to write and create. And <laughs> sure. Matt, I could uh, not think of another idea 
not a single new idea and just what I have my you know my giant document of notes sure. and ideas and concepts I would be busy for the next decade <laughs> it's um yeah I've got so much I want to do and that's one of my biggest th- fears is like not well to be honest the way my personality is I don't think it'll ever be enough stuff but you know I got I just I want a ridiculous library of content before before my time is done. Sure, and I think it's that's... all. I, it's all honestly, man. It's all I think. I think about like my family, taking care of my family, my wife and kids, and I think about making stuff. Yeah, like books and comics and games, and yeah, it's all I think about. That's really and and I feel like like those are the creative personalities that go further i think than the folks who are just like i want to be famous i want to make a thing and like have hit easy street because at that point if whether you're successful or not mm-hmm. you've done the thing so what else is there to do but if you're never satisfied and always striving and always thinking of new things uh you you keep moving i think it's like it's it, i i don't know about you but i get this high when something that's been in my brain for a period of time finally exists for other people to see it. Like I get mm-hmm. this adrenaline rush and then I'm like, all right, well now, and like my problem has been sticking with that thing instead of going, Oh, this thing exists. Great. Let me go create 10 other things. It's like, you got to follow it through. Yeah. And I find sometimes I'm like caught up in the rush of like a new thing. Let's make another new thing. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely uh, ebb and flow with that. But for the most part, I try to really focus, like, keep it limited on, like, I have, s- off the top of my head, seven novel concepts I want to write. But I could, you know, there, I'm sure there are a ton of people that have that, you know, have that, and there's also the same ton of people that have seven novels with four chapters written each. Right. Um, so I try really hard to focus, like, I, I'm not, if I want to do that one, I got to finish this one first. And I think if that's I, if a I want great... my cookies, I got to eat my peas and carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's a good way to be. Um, talking about your novel, so Space Trippin, yeah, is well, how old well, is funny, that now? I'll get to that. Well, I, you, yeah. you mentioned something I want to touch on though, and kind of emphasize sure. and kind of signal boost. It was the high of seeing something. Yeah, uh-huh. and I, I, I felt it. I'd say the two. I felt it very strongly two times. Really strong. I mean, you hear it a lot, but two, two times really strongly. The first was, of course. Uh, what we're about to talk about my my first novel, Space Tripping, when the first time I held a copy of it physically in my hand, yeah, uh, and wept like a baby. Um, <laughs> and then the second one, honestly, is with is with this the Red Opera was. So Rick and I did all this writing and worked on it for a couple months and everything, and then we have this production studio that's doing all like the nitty gritty of creating the books and binding and production and making it look gorgeous and uh, and have an artist their artists on staff and everything. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the first like six images that their artists had done. For the book the illustrations that was on that same part like holy shit because they are gorgeous amazing they are like it is such good high quality professional work and i and i i remember calling rick and be like we got something special here because this is going to be they are if you if you go to my website the pat edwards there's a there's a section for the red opera and i recently updated it and put some of that art in there and it is man and, and it's stuff like when you when you design a setting and you write it and you describe it in a scene or an encounter and then you see someone perfectly illustrate it exactly what you were picturing. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. But let's talk. You were so space tripping. Space tripping came out was published uh, in March of 2017. The first one. 2017. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. like 
And I know that you you're which was at, like you're, my room. Tw- which 2017 <laughs> fun fact was 15 years ago. Yeah, it was. It feels like another lifetime ago. Uh, a friend of mine recently reminded me that PAX East, which is the convention I went to mm-hmm. uh, back in the end of February, early March, was, you know, only two months ago. And it's like, what? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's only it's only F in May, Pat, and it's still 2020. We've got so many this, more months this, to go. This fucking year, man. This fucking year has been a decade. Um, yeah. But uh, the question I wanted to ask was, I feel like I, the last time we talked, which I think was for Screen Snark, you mentioned that you that there's a sequel in the works for Space Tripping. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And so, yeah. Th- and so that's still in process. Where is that? Now that you finished, the, the, like, the, the bulk of the work on the Red Opera is done, and now it's, like, production and, like, the logistics side. Mm-hmm. Where are you with the sequel? Do you feel comfortable talking about, like, a projected, like, release time? Or are you still working on it? Oh no! Yeah, it's it, it is going to be coming out either by the holidays of 2020 or like right after New Year's 2021. Amazing! It's, awesome! It's written. It's in production. It's with the editors and all that. Yeah, it's coming, baby. Yeah, space and tripping just... to the second one. <laughs> is that really the title? Yes, because <laughs> that's that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. That feels very um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know that mm-hmm. kind of like tongue and cheekness. Um, so oh, I've never heard of it. No? Oh, you're not familiar? No. <laughs> See, that's very funny. That's very funny to anyone who's actually read the book because it's very obvious who one of my, one of my largest literary influences is. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and so with those two books now, you have two of them. The second one's going to come out later this year, early next year. Yeah. Do you have plan without spoiling the book, do you have plans for it to go further than that? Do you think this is a franchise of books that you want to write or are you going to change it up with the next novel? Yeah. Uh, well, if I were to open up this document on my computer, I'm looking at right here. It says ST3. You would see it's already four chapters deep. So nice. That's yeah. amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> no. Yes. So uh, as far as I'll talk, yes, let's talk space tripping. Um, I have an idea for a third book. I have a possible idea for a fourth book. Um, that I'm kind of like we'll see. I have an idea for a sort of a spinoff with one of the characters I want to do. I don't know where I would set that in the timing of everything. But um, two spinoffs actually. But so yeah, I got a lot. Of, I had a lot. I want to play around in that sandbox for a while, um, and I definitely have one that I've also another another novel. I've I'm breaking my own rule. I just mentioned five minutes ago about having <laughs> too many projects at once. But I have another novel that has just been flowing out of me, um, like just crazy fast because I had this really clear vision concept of what I wanted to write. Um, that is a little different than um, the tone. It's it's more serious than stuff I've done before. But uh, we'll talk more about that when it gets closer because that, that's that's yeah. fair. Do I'll, you... I'll tell you I'll tell you all about it offline. It's not... sure. No, <laughs> it's, I yeah. get it. That's fine. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, no scoop yet. I get it. It's 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 yeah. totally. It's it's also speaking things into the universe. But sometimes that's a bad thing. Like you say something mm. and then you realize mm. twenty minutes later, like not from. I know I'm one of those person people who. I have a compulsion because if I say it, especially on a recording, I have to do it. Right. Oh, I'll keep that in mm-hmm. mind for. Uh, maybe I, I'll... <laughs> but I'm aware. I'm aware of it though. So yeah, yeah. So I don't. Yeah, you're gonna trap me. I'm aware. Yeah. Um, so uh, with um, with your writing and with your novel writing, 
I know a lot of folks. I have a lot of other friends who have done some some incredible writing, and they like to like play this game where they imagine what a TV show or a movie or like casting their characters. Have you ever fantasized mm-hmm. about the characters in your books and like who would play them if there was a film version or things like that? Yeah, I've thought about it, and honestly, um, it keeps changing. I think honestly, it's the type of thing I would really love unknowns, like lighter, sure. lesser. Uh, I mean, except for there's one character. So are, should we just assume people are have read? If you it? want to give there's, a little synopsis of, there, of space tripping for folks, it's really it's really cliche. But there is a character that like The Rock would be perfect for just because it's built. <laughs> um, and it, and like I said, it's cliche. I get it. Or or uh, uh, Bjorn Hafson, the mountain from Game of Thrones. So yeah, um, the first space tripping, it uh, a young twenty something Earth man who uh, is kind of like a college dropout, he gets accidentally abducted by a very blackout drunk alien who's in (laughs) debt to the largest corporation in the galaxy. And then he kind of gets roped into forcing uh, this this drunk alien uh, work, work off his debt to the corporation and of course things go crazy and there's hijinks and mystery and explosions and adventure and a mysterious <laughs> black case that everyone's after um, and it quickly skews off the path into just shenanigan territory and what was it's been a very interesting concept for me with this whole universe is uh, Chuck who's the main protagonist is the only earth person in the book in both books Oh wow! So it's him. It's him solo in you know mass. You know your cliche. So it's it is sci-fi. It's a comedy advent. It's comedy action adventure. Right. So it's not hard sci-fi. I'm real fast and loose with physics, um, like how spaceships work and all of that. This is not the expanse. I love the expanse. This is not the Me expanse. Too. This is not hard sci-fi. <laughs> this is more about uh, like like having fun with sci-fi tropes and cliches and quippy banter between uh characters i love banter i love small talk i can write pages and pages and it's probably if i were to be like super super self um uh, assessing i would say my number one skill is not probably dialogue like witty like just snappy banter i have to cut so much out because i'll just sit there and just write (laughs) and like back and forth and like friends taking jabs at each other and joking and then just have this long diatribe aside or rant and then i'll look back it's like god I fucking just wrote five pages of them like talking <laughs> about going like sleep habits or what shows what made up TV shows they like and it's like all right I gotta cut like ninety percent of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds to me like there's a lot of heavy influence from things like Guardians of the Galaxy and or yeah um, you know like I mean it's well, funny I because if you do the timing I was writing it I had the first book the first like the first draft written before the first guardians of the galaxy came out uh-huh. um i had to change a few things in it though because like <laughs> oh people are gonna think i stole from that i gotta change it now <laughs> even stuffing that's minute as like a there's like a cleansing foam and the way i had it, it was an orange foam in the book and they they clean them up in the prison in the first guardians with an orange yeah foam. with like, an orange foam. all right people are gonna think i just gotta change all right i gotta go change the color of this fucking foam <laughs> um uh, there's like a prison break scene, and I kept it because it's incredible. But it's like there's so much stuff. I'm like I, sh- I need to like watermark these pages that I wrote these before <laughs> the movie came out. But right. yeah, it's very, 
Guardians eat very Hitchhiker's Guide, but sure. swap out the tea for beer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, that works too. <laughs> yeah. Who, who doesn't love booze? Mm-hmm. Just fun romps. Um, and I love, and then I start to pepper in a little more, a little more heavy stuff in the second book and the third, just because I'm a big fan. Uh, I love, love, love comedy. But also what I love and adore and, and stuff that's really precious to me are the serious dramatic and often bittersweet moments in otherwise comedic books and movies and shows. Yeah. Because to me, those hold actually more weight because you're really endeared to the characters and it's not like they're, it's not like those shows. There's so many really popular ones now, which are just like, they're just like tragedy porn where it's like, I've got cancer, but I'm in love with two different women. And (laughs) also, uh, I have lost memories of a former life. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just yeah. piling on, piling on, piling on where it's like, if you have something that's like fun and whimsical and it's people having fun, which is real life is most of the time we're trying to like all have fun with each other and laugh. And then we have shitty things, you know, shitty things happen. A loved one dies or something and it hits so much harder and feels more real, real and weighty to me. Yeah. And we talked about this on screen. Stark. I think uh, a show that did it maybe better than anybody is scrubs. Yeah. We talked at length about how scrubs, yeah. Every time Dr. Cox, lo- like I think we talked about this specific episode, but the episode where Dr. Cox loses all of his patients mm-hmm. when he was trying to save at least one of them, and like they all go, like yeah, that whole ending scene is just brutal. It just destroys you because of all the comedy that led up to it. Mm-hmm. I just think it holds way more weight. So, uh, and it's something I wanted to do and peppered in. So there, it, there's still a lot of humor, but there's definitely a little more. The first, the first book is a silly, silly romp. <laughs> I, I feel like you, while the first one is a silly, silly romp, you have to evolve and grow a little, and mm-hmm. like adding some weight and 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 drama is fairly natural, especially if the character himself is really young. Also, like as he gets older, he's mm-hmm. going to change too. Yeah, and it's it's an, it's all about I like ensembles too. So it's very yeah. it, Chuck is the quote unquote protagonist because he's the one Earth man. He's like the, the the viewer's lens or the reader's lens and everything. But um, if anything, I I keep him kind of like almost vanilla just because I want him to kind of be that lens and then I'll have these wacky shit happening around him. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'm I mean, making stuff. I mean, I can't, and I couldn't agree more about your philosophy on comedy. I think it's one of the things that brought us together as friends, uh, among both knowing Case Aiken. That's usually in, in a lot of our lives these days. The link. Who? 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 Who is that? Um, but uh, like, I'm rewatching Community right now, and I just started season three this morning. I just finished a total sh- series rewatch like a month ago. Nice. Yeah, I'm rewatching yeah. it on Netflix. I'm in season three, and like. One thing I forgot about that show is that it sometimes can pivot so fast it would give you whiplash, but it never feels forced mm-hmm. or yeah. like it shouldn't have happened. And all all of the emotional episodes are done so well. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of astonishing. And like, and I Scrubs is still my penultimate, like, or my ultimate like favorite sitcom comedy of all time. But I forgot how much Community comes close. Because of the characters, yeah. because also you just want to love the characters. Like, what makes Troy and Abat so great as a nerd is, like, I would have hung out with those guys. If I knew them at school when mm-hmm. I was going to college, I would have been part of that friend group. I would have hung out with those two guys for sure. Um, yeah. 
and and I just think that when you're writing with that kind of familiarity at, involved, it it's of course going to bring people in, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think when doing a space epic like you're doing, having a human character as POV is important to then get the reader to relate to the whatever's happening with the aliens that might be a little far outside of that, but of course will still have an emotional center. Yeah. No, it's oh man, you're making me do a third rewatch of that show because I just <laughs> and then I love when they have like a emo- I love comedies and they have emotional endings and they play a really perfect song and because the two songs that both Scrubs and Community end on are great and just make me feel very like oh, I miss friends and like those <laughs> yeah totally yeah watching Community it's like it makes me think of my friends who I would hung, hang out with in person more mm-hmm. if we weren't under, you know, quarantine and pandemic, the that yeah. I miss more watching that. And also, like, what made me really excited when you were on Screen Snark and we talked about Scrubs is, like, we threw it out into the world that we should do a, let, a rewatch podcast, and now Zach Braff and Donald Faison are doing I a Scrubs know, rewatch they s- podcast. They still I mean, who idea. do they think they are stealing our idea? <laughs> But it's really uncool. It is so uncool. But that said, like now I'm rewatching Scrubs, but I'm taking it episode by episode and listening to the podcast, and that's been a great way mm-hmm. to re uh, re fall in love with the show. And like they've already had guests on, like Sarah Chalk and Judy Reyes and John C. McGinley, and like hearing them talk about the show and the characters and like what it was like to shoot it is just endlessly fascinating and really fun. Yeah. And of course they're cracking jokes because they're best friends. So like, which mm-hmm. to me will always be my favorite thing about Zach Braff and Donald Faison is that they are Jake, uh, JD and Turk in real life. Yeah. To some degree. RIP Sam Lloyd. Oh man. That was, that w- they, uh, uh, when he passed, they had talked about him a ton in that episode because they were pre they, like, they've banked a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and like, they put a whole like 15 minute, like, uh, preamble on the show just talking about Sam Lloyd and and his, his comedy some of my biggest laughs in scrubs are because of that man he's he, that yeah he just, just so good. he does tortured so well and you know what it it holds up too oh God, as far yeah. as like but like from a problematic lens it holds up really well and there's stuff more recent than that that doesn't hold up that well even what we just talked about so community love it to death but i forgot like the the gay jokes especially in the early seasons oh, like yeah. i was like oh man was that cool back that that wasn't that long ago was that okay that you know like yeah um but uh i mean still overall i you know a great show and and i think it i don't think there was hate you know, you know i think we, have we talked about this where there's like i talked about this with maddie on dolls and dreams where Problematic stuff is problematic, and at some point, being shitty is just being shitty, and there's no excuse for it. But there's all there is a slight lens of like intent, you know, like what sure. was the intent of being done? Not like again, if you say something shitty and problematic, I don't care what your intent was. That's not okay, but it's worth taking into consideration, right? If you're not tr- like if you're trying to be awful, or if you're in, uh, I, I don't want to talk. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to yeah, talk in totally. circles and just dig. No, yeah. No, I totally understand. And, like, this, all the stuff with Pierce and Chevy Chase, like, a lot of that was, you yeah. know, uh, art limit- imitating life and vice versa with mm-hmm. him from what I've heard. But, like, whenever he calls Jeff Winger gay, it's because 
he has nothing to say. He's got it's filler for him because for him he yeah. thinks it's an insult when it's not, and no one else treats it as an insult, and everyone always gives him shit for doing it. So it was never okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that said, there's still a lot of it, and it 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 does feel more uncomfortable than say like for me, I feel like Doctor Cox calling JD a girl's name every time holds up because he's not doing it because he's homophobic he's doing it because he knows jd is a little homophobic and also it bothers jd that's why he mm-hmm. does it like right if if jd was a woman and calling the woman a boy's name messed with her he'd do that too like it's less about the gender mm-hmm. and it's more about getting and it's, to it's JD. not and you get from dr cox too it is not because he thinks Oh, a woman doctor is like lesser. It's it's purely like you said. It's purely because I'm strictly doing this because I know he is gonna be, bot like it's gonna throw him off his game. Right, because he you know he he also in the same breath will show so much respect towards Carla and and even mm-hmm. Elliot in the end and all of that stuff and it's it it's it's really one of those shows that holds up way better than I thought talks about issues that I don't think a lot of other shows were talking about and even mm-hmm. like on uh, Fake uh, fake Doctors Real Friends which is the Scrubs podcast they talk about how it was like raunchier than a lot of shows at the time like lots of t- women being like in bras or like mm-hmm. like overtly sexual fantasies that like were on network TV that probably wouldn't fly now and that some were definitely inappropriate even at the time but like definitely push the boundaries of what TV can do in a way that they don't do as much now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. For better or worse. Yeah. Especially, yeah, with networks. And then what's funny, as far as you talk about like what they can do or not, my wife and I are, fi- you know, we're late to the game, but we're watching The Americans. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. But there's, man, it is, it's like, this is on cable? It's, <laughs> like, very graphic. Like, the violence and the sex stuff is very, very graphic. It's like, okay, I mean, I don't, you know, yeah. watch hbo chef stuff but i was like i keep like i keep forgetting this is this wasn't like an hbo or a showtime show <laughs> for sure yeah and like and that shifts too now as stuff stops being on tv like i recently finished the witcher on netflix which so good prop, with warts and all and i know it doesn't handle everything well but i still really like it but as as someone who's never played the video games I really enjoyed it. So I, well, I, there's stuff. Is that what the problem you're saying? No, or? no. Oh. So the, the the problem. So first of all, it's based on the books, which the yes. games are also yeah. based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I the game. Like I'm playing The Witcher two for the first time now. I tried playing The Witcher one. It was terrible. It was horrible. I couldn't get through it. But The Witcher two, I'm really enjoying. And I own The Witcher three, which I'll eventually play. No, it was. It's a lot of ableist stuff. So like with Yennefer and that like. Oh she's yeah, she's playing yeah, a woman yeah. who for part of the story is disabled the actress right. isn't disabled and then mm-hmm. like there's a magic spell that makes her look quote, quote unquote pretty like there's a lot there was a lot of uncomfortability with that um yeah and i get it yeah, i yeah, totally yeah. understand why it's like oh she, but they do say like this spell is can be considered an illusion and these these sorcerers men and women 
are jaded or damaged or and like this isn't fixing things and it's not excusing it and like i'm I'm not going to begin to approach it because i don't have the right voice to go deep into that but Mm -hmm. that was the the issue but that said i enjoyed the show i didn't think it was perfect but i thought it was really good and also i i wanted to like henry cavill for so long like i i love i i didn't mind his portrayal of superman as problematic as those movies were just at not being good I liked his portrayal of of Superman, and so like I wanted a win for him, and so getting to watch him in The Witcher and see him do such a good job, I was like, all right, yes, good. Yeah. So that is that your, your you liked him as Superman? Is is that your controversial DC movie opinion? Is you liked him? I have one. I have a controversial DC movie opinion. What is that? I did not. I did not hate the Batfleck. I didn't. I thought oh, it was. I didn't that, either. Like, I actually kind of. Di- I I've said this before on other shows. I, I think there was a pretty solid Batman movie hiding within uh, Donald, you know, Batman v Superman. Yeah, I no, think. I like, agree. I think the that fight scene at a... the end it has one of the yeah. best fight scenes of superhero movies across the board, like DC Marvel, and it's towards the end when he's in like it's just so raw when he's in the warehouse and he's like taking like. Uh, gunshots to the head with his it's just so visceral and yeah I, and I didn't I don't know I didn't mind I liked I kind of liked his performance and I don't know Dude. yeah no, I don't think that's that controversial I think he was a phenomenal Bruce Wayne I thought he fit the bill for Bruce Wayne perfectly and I think mm-hmm. like his Batman was okay um, yeah I would say that I, that might be my most controversial I watched Justice League uh, now admittedly on HBO at home for free mm-hmm. and I didn't hate it it wasn't good but i didn't hate it i liked ezra miller meller i still actually this is my controversial dc opinion i love aquaman i know it's not a good movie but i genuinely love that was movie. fun i thought it was, it was fun. so fun also anytime you yeah. get um, um what's his name patrick wilson chewing scenery oh I'll, yeah I'll, I'll watch that all day long he's mm-hmm. phenomenal in everything and like him is fucking ocean master yeah (laughs) it was just perfect yeah i thought the movie was hella fun yeah the movie wasn't fun that i just saw and i was purposely avoiding trying to give money to see and i just saw and i thought if we're gonna go in down this comic book movie and talk about ones (laughs) and just like really just like court just like court some controversy joker sucked i still haven't watched it i have i may or may not have a screener copy of it Okay. I won't say how, although people can do math. Um, but I may yeah. or may not have one that I've still not watched. It sat on my computer desk for five months because mm-hmm. I keep going, I should watch it. So the problem for me is I love the Joker. He's one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Like you, I'm sure. I grew up on Mark Hamill's Joker. You know, the animated series defined that character for me and made yeah. me fall in love with that character as a villain. And so, like, I got excited for Heath Ledger's Joker, and he was... Well, actually, that's a lie. I bitched like everybody else did when they announced he was the Joker, and then yeah. I watched the movie, and I was like, oh, I was wrong. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I sighed at Jared, Jared Leto, and I still haven't watched Suicide Squad. Um, I have watched Birds of Prey, though. It was phenomenal. I loved Birds of Prey. Yeah, I actually still need to see that. I, let me, you know, I'm gonna. Retract, I'm not gonna retract. Okay, here's the thing. If you liked it, fine. You're allowed to like. You know, people, sure. I don't want to be negative. I did not care for it. I'll say. But yeah. if if you if you liked it, you're allowed to like it. That's fine. Like everyone's sure. like what they like. I mean, also, I'm, to, Todd, I'm not trying to yuck yums over here. I get it, but also Todd Phillips is a douchebag. So like, take it with a grain mm-hmm. of salt. 
Um, oh yeah, I was one of those people that tweeted that, like because he had that inter- you know the whole interview about like yeah, you can't uh-huh. make comedy anymore, and I was one of those people that tweeted uh, like maybe the problem isn't people are too sensitive, maybe you're just not that funny. Yeah, or well, good <laughs> so at telling like, comedy. Yeah, like if you can't if you can't tell comedy that's not at the expense of people, like of marginalized people, then that's not comedy. That's just you being a dick. Yeah, and I mean, he said that while the Good Place existed, and the Good Place is phenomenal and very yeah, funny. and one of the best shows ever. And just yeah, oh man, that's another one. That's another one. That's another <laughs> one. Silly and wild and wacky and fun for like ninety nine percent of it, and then the final season towards the end there just was just <sighs> just kicking you in the gut left and Dest- right. Just destroyed me. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, there's never been a TV show model for my spectrum of bisexuality as that <laughs> damn show and its entire cast. Yeah. And, if, and if I can look even forty percent as good as Ted Danson does when I'm his age, like oh. I will be blessed because that well, man. The, I mean, I mean, for me, the hair part of that's gone. This long well, gone. That ship you've sailed. lost that fight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, I know. I say it all the time, man. I would, I would rock a full head of all white hair in a heartbeat. Me too. Even at the age of thirty-five, right now, I would Me do too. it. But yeah. I, yeah, not in the cards. <laughs> not in the cards for you. For those okay. who don't know, I, I, during the quarantine, I was one of those uh, basic ass bros who shaved his head during the quarantine. But I've been going bald for a while, so it was coming. Feel like a good time to try. It. I liked it. It's gonna stick around. So there you go. But you grew in the goatee, so like you that just too. Migrated, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Hair in one place, if not the other. Right? Oh, yeah. That's I mean the 2020 <laughs> effect. I look wildly different than I did like six months ago because <laughs> yeah, I had hair on my head and a clean shaven face, and now I got a goatee and a bald head, and yeah, it's yeah. yeah. But I like them both. I think I'm gonna keep them around. So that's good. That's good. It's good to discover our sense of style. I my mm-hmm. hair's gotten too long, and I don't have good uh, hair clippers. But I've considered shaving it down. The beard. Mm-hmm keeps growing out and then i shave it and then i grow it out again i can't decide who the hell knows we're living in Mm -hmm. the end times it feels like sometimes so who the hell knows yeah um to direct the conversation although i'm sure everyone's loving us talk about everything but what has to do with you (laughs) i'm I'm gonna steer the conversation back to one of the other projects you work on which we did talk about on screen snark um which is your podcast that you do on the podcast network we're both on um uh, let's rewatch which you do with uh brett sam and ash and a guest uh, every episode um why don't you tell my listeners just in case there's no crossover um a little bit about that show and uh yeah uh, just kind of give the sales pitch on let's rewatch so it's a movie podcast but uh we take a little bit of a unique twist on it where so sort of the byline is where we were watching movies we loved in our youth to see if they're still any good but so the show is broken up into two parts, two halves. And the first part is a conversation with us and our guest. And we have not watched the movie yet. So everyone there has either never seen it or it's been a while. We have these vague guidelines where the movie itself should be at least 10 years old. And it should be, for those who have seen it, it should be a couple of years, three to five plus since you've seen it. Um mm-hmm. And so we've not seen it, either never seen it or you haven't seen it in a while. And then we talk for about a half an hour about some, uh, you know, someone is the official host, like the main host, and they've done a little research and they talk about the cast, you know, the release date, any interesting drama or trivia about it, box office. And we kind of joke about what do we expect 
the movie to be like? Do we think it's going to hold up? Do we think it's going to be good? What are our predictions? And then we pause the recording and then we all go watch it right then and there, the movie. And then we hop right back on and talk about the movie. And then having just seen it all coming right from watching it, you know, minutes to spare with our impressions. Do we like it? Do we not like it? Um, And some of the, I mean, some of the most wild episodes are the ones where, you know, we were way off in the first half. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, what what I love about the show is that conceit that you, in real time, talk about the movie, expectations, watch it, and then come back and talk about the results. And like, I feel like I feel like I've been on a safe episode and a less than safe episode. And what I mean by that is the first time I ever appeared, you guys had me on to talk about Wayne's World, one of my favorite movies, and was such mine a blast. Too, bud. And, like, what I loved about that was there were folks who hadn't seen it, and I hadn't seen it in a while and completely forgot entire bits. And, like, Mm -hmm. it was just a celebration of that movie. And then when I came back uh, with my incredible co-host, Rachel Quirky Shank from Screen Snark, and we both did Army of Darkness, and I got to guest host, which was super fun, um, I feel like I broke most of your brains because you had no idea what to make of Army of Darkness. (laughs) Yeah. So and it's man some two of the craziest ones uh, we we've we stumbled into the last two years an un an accidental tradition around St Patrick's Day of a movie where some of us not I won't say all of us I'm gonna throw everyone under the bus um, were like really hyped up for it in the first half and then had forgotten about a bunch of problematic shit and then in the second half we're like oh no so in 2019. <laughs> It was St. Patrick's Day, so we did Boondock Saints. Oh, and yes, both, I remember this. And both Ash and I were like, oh, man, we loved this movie in college. It's so badass. Uh, it's epic. And they watched it. We came back and was like, oh, that was domestic terrorism. Like, that's not cool. That was fucked up. And, like, also, there are no women with speaking lines in that movie. It's like, it's... Yeah. Um, so that movie's not, is not good. And then nope. we just did it recently uh, with Adam Bash from the Sayer Podcast. We did Biodome. Yes, you did. <laughs> which he and Brett and I were ge- like joking about Biodome and how stupid but silly this movie was. And then we came back we're like, oh, they're sexual predators. But in Doyle, like they're Yikes. they're so problematic. Like, and it's just and they both happen to take place right around St. Patrick's Day. Um, yeah, yeah but- I. I, uh, I I enjoy that calamity, and I actually had an idea for possibly next St. Patrick's Day if you all haven't done Night at the Roxbury yet. Um, oh no, yeah, because I used to I loved that I movie love when I was younger that too. Movie. I'm sure it's oh man, I'm sure it's so problematic. It's gotta be like like just thinking about the 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 Dewey. Did you touch my ass? I'm over here. So yeah. like that whole through line is probably terrible now. Yeah, um, yeah. So that would be my pitch for St. Patty's Day 2021 is to do Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> it's a safe bet. Anything made before like 05 that has a lot of like guys, quote unquote, hitting on girls is going to be bad. Because man, yep. the stuff that was like Haha, flirty is so bad. Like we just uh, released. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it yet. Our first X Men. I we haven't, the but first I saw. X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And overall, the movie, I don't know, but there's a moment that's like, oh, man, that was such a trope of, like, the bad guy, the bad boy, not the bad guy, the bad boy, the good guy, bad boy. Yeah. 
being kind of a dick, but and like the girl being like her words saying no, she doesn't like that, but him being like, you know, you'll like it, and it's like, oh my god, we thought that was so fucking cool for like twenty years. That's awful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like Wolverine in his later years probably aged fine, but Wolverine yeah. in that first movie. It's one little scene, but it's yeah. like but what it's in, but in that movie it's one little scene, but man, there are countless examples of that from like the yeah. 80s and 90s, especially action movies for sure, yeah. Oh, yes, action movies <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um oh. but I do, I do like that you guys have the 10-year rule though and uh, I'm intimately familiar with it as I'm knocking down the door come yes. August because uh, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? Um, because I have told listener, Pat, I'm going to preempt you right now and jump and cut you off. Yes, listener, okay. Matt is banging down our door as he said so eloquently because he wants to do Scott Pilgrim so bad. But he and I were talking about this because I love that movie and I'm like, I guess there'll be stuff to talk about. But as it, we have this rule where something is too obviously good, we don't do it because yeah. there's not nothing. There's nothing to talk like. Like we won't do Princess Bride ever on the show. Why would you? What's it's, it's always gonna perfect be good. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, we'll probably do it because because it's so fun and I want to watch it again. I want a reason to watch it. <laughs> well, and I haven't watched that in a while, and so now knowing that we will probably do it together, um, that I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna let it because I have it on DVD, but I'll let it sit mm-hmm. until that time and then watch it. Like. I mean, the, the thing I've come to since then, after because I hosted a Scott Pilgrim uh, burlesque show a few years ago, and well, I didn't host it. I actually DJed it as Scott, my friend, who uh, is a nerdcore rapper, hosted it as Gideon Graves, and even oh. did a rap song uh, at the show. But um, it was such a great show. We had a friend play. Was Stephen Stills played uh, Garbage Truck Live on his electric guitar? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was a blast. But so I rewatched it then, and. Like, my different perspective is, like, I loved Scott, and I loved his narrative. Now I'm like, I like I like the movie, but Scott's an asshole. In fact, pretty much everyone in this dude. movie, everyone in this movie except Knives is an asshole. Knives <sighs> is pure and amazing. I do love Kieran Culkin's character. I forgot his name. He's but great, he's but he's a douche. <laughs> but he's yeah. great. Um, <laughs> God, that's a oh, movie that man. I could quote for, from start to finish. I was about so to much. start. I don't know if we want to go down there. <laughs> The song's called We Hate You, Please Die. Sweet. I love this one. <laughs> it's not a race. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that, whole, that little back and forth is my, one of my top three favorite moments in the movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I like the format of the show because I think it's really great. It's a brilliant conceit that everyone's coming back to it with fresh eyes, whether you've seen it recently or not. Like, you're taking this moment and talking about it before watching it and then splitting it in real time. That's what made revisiting Wayne's World so much fun for me because, like, we we all came back so jazzed and excited because of how well, great the movie was. Yeah, and then that was actually, Wayne's World's a perfect example of, yeah, it's funny, like, the ones where, like, oh, we're hyped for it and then we're, but down, you know, bummed in the second half because it was bad or problematic. What's even better is, the flip side of that where people are um, cautious or not optimistic and they loved it. I feel like Wayne's world. I'm trying to remember. I want I feel like Ash and Sam had not seen it and they were expecting a way more like broy mm-hmm. comedy. And then they came back like that was so fun and awesome. And, and we're like, yes, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Like my, my biggest worry for that was that Mike Myers was going to, treat Tia Carrera like an object because mm-hmm. I, I remember 
oh yes, she will be mine. But it wasn't. It was it was all, like he was all respect for like he even speaks her language, like on like learning it so they can talk and like all of that yeah. stuff. Like it was and she wasn't an Asian stereotype. She also wasn't a a, a, a female stereotype. Like she kicked ass, she yeah. beat people up, like she was a badass rock star. Yeah, no, it, it, it defied all expectations and then some as far as holding up, which I feel like comedy comedy and 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 like broy action movies are the ones that age the worst out of like everything mm-hmm. else just because they're of their time and well, especially comedy that tries to be too of the moment too topical yeah um and the same thing with like if you're writing if you're writing comedy books like it, i i've had i had jokes that i cut out on my first one and luckily someone like an editor suggested it to me where i'd made these like references but they were way too temporary and of the moment. And even now, like a few years later, would not still really hold up. And so that's the key. If you're going to have a reference to something, it's got to be like a, kind of a timeless reference. For sure. Um, so it, mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, like, uh, for me, as a podcaster, evergreen content is really important. And, like, while I'm mentioning the quarantine now, mostly because Lord knows, this, even though this is coming out in, like, four weeks or or three and a half weeks we'll probably still Mm -hmm. be in it so i'm not that worried about it but like for the most part i try not to date my content because i want people to listen to it whenever um and it's because of that whole like if you dig too deep into the weeds on something specific of a time then after a few years later people are gonna be like i don't what what's this about who cares like why are you talking about this Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. Oh man, it is going to be another couple of months, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Like, but like, I feel like us doing Scott Pilgrim on Let's Rewatch is a reward to all of us for getting yeah. to August. At that point, <laughs> like, um, are there movies on Let's Rewatch that you've really wanted to do that no one else has wanted to do that you endlessly campaign for? Um, we're all pretty supportive of each other. Where if someone really wants to do it the people are like all right sure um my list of ones that i want to do that they either are like whatever or have never heard my, my number one with a bullet is one that i've i'm gonna shove down <laughs> their throats in the very near future that they've never heard of so that makes it even better it's called airborne and it is everyone's like oh this is so 90s i'm like i will put airborne up against any motherfucking movie you can bring to the table and it will out 90s the fuck out of them <laughs> Airborne is so aggressively 90. Airborne is about a California surfer dude teen who has to go like stay for six months with his aunt and uncle and his cousin in Cincinnati and has to like fish out of water shit like surfer bro <laughs> oh. in the Midwest. <laughs> nice. It's and Jack Black is in it. Wait, is he the lead? No. no. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> like Jack Black and a surfer. And Seth Green is one of like the two main people in it two or three main Ooh, people in it i mean i love seth green Are you, i assume you never heard of this movie either nope not a clue and i'm usually pretty <gasps> up on like obscure movies especially from the 90s so like yeah now i'm curious I'm, mm-hmm. so that's up there for me i want to make us do the first three ninjas oh three ninjas that's not going to age well and like i love that movie is it I, the first one i know there's a ton of weird sequels with different casts and stuff like yeah, that. yeah i love the first one i mean i'm assuming it didn't i can't think of a time i've watched it since then wasn't jim varney the villain in that or was that surf ninjas i can't keep it straight jim no, varney was surf, the villain in one of them 
I made them do surf nin- the when they first so the show honestly so little backstory let's rewatch has been around for a while like four years five years I've only been a host on it for like a year and a half year and okay. a half uh, I was a guest doing promo stuff for my book when it came out and then we really headed off and they had me back as a guest a couple more times and then they had a host leave and they asked me for and we've you know really hit it off since then and the one of the fir- the first time as a host or let me pick the movie uh i picked surf ninjas and oh, it's leslie nielsen leslie nielsen's oh, the yes. villain in, that's in right. surf ninjas that's yeah. right Woof. um three ninjas the main bad guy he's not a household name he's not somebody okay. i could i don't even think i've ever seen him in anything else okay that's um, another that's another 90s and 80s thing though that i think probably hasn't aged well but that i remember loving was ernest goes to jail especially oh. like all of the ernest movies but ernest goes to jail i used to quote word for word mm-hmm. and like i know and i love jim varney i've always loved him may he rest in peace i always thought his nonsense was always hilarious and like it just i want to watch it again but i'm afraid that it won't hold mm-hmm. up to the memory in my mind, which is like a lot of older movies. Yeah. No, it's... I'm kind of... <laughs> old, and We pick stuff, and we might need to just purposely do like a... Because we don't always have a guest, but we had a really good run of having a bunch of awesome people on, and we got a bunch more um, lined up. But uh, we might... I might I might say, you know, let's just do... Let's just do one of us, guys. Let's just do a host yeah. one. And yeah you know get to know each other again <laughs> well because because we don't really pick them because what we like to do is if we're having a guest we like to give them the option because right. of, we want them to be engaged in the conversation and everything so if there's something they're really passionate about and they want to do they can either pick or they can um give us like a couple of choices and we'll do like a twitter poll yep um that's what we did the upcoming as of us recording this the recorded yet to be released episode was we did snatch Yes, I remember you guys posting about it. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny, when you were talking about your book before and someone asked me about it, I was like, well, it's like, what if Snatch but in space? That's how I described it. That's very fair. That's very fair. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a really good way of, another way of describing it. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. For me, it's mostly because I love hijinks and I love Jason Statham Mm -hmm. and like Snatch is... I, I hope it held up. I'll wait to yeah. hear the episode, but like, have I you just... seen the movie Spy? Speaking of the no, mo- not uh, yet, Muslim. but I've heard I've heard okay. it's really good. So the movie Spy, it's the overall movie. I'm gonna say is okay. It's uh-huh. okay. It's okay. It's enjoyable enough. You're not gonna hate your time watching it. Jason Statham plays a smallish. It's reoccurring. It's throughout the movie. It's like a bunch of small scenes, but he's in it from beginning to end. But but his scenes are a fucking treasure and this character he's playing <laughs> is amazing so it's okay. worth watch it is worth you should go watch it just for him. and i recommend anyone here go watch spy the melissa mccarthy movie just for jason statham's uh okay. supporting character yeah okay i'll have to check that out um yeah i've i've been a big nerd uh, nerdy fan of his since like the first transporter movie so yeah i love foul mouthed british people i love me too swears coming out of a british accent are just so lovely to yep. me, like I wouldn't even be mad if a British person was cussing me out because I'd be like this is so pleasing to my ear <laughs> yeah there's something about like he's the reason I watched the Meg which honestly wasn't awful that was the Megalodon movie where like scientists discover a prehistoric shark living under the depths of the ocean mm-hmm. and he plays like one of the divers it was fine 
he was great he took his shirt off i was fine um <laughs> but uh but yeah but steering the conversation back to let's rewatch before we wrap up um you were talking about some movies that you really wanted to bring on is there a movie that you love that you know might be problematic but you still love it because we all still love some of our problematic faves that you uh, don't yes. want that you yeah, don't perfect. want to I, ever come and show uh <laughs> we'll probably won't do them anyway i have the perfect it's actually a whole franchise of movies and we literally were just texting about them like two days ago in our in our host group chat thing <laughs> and it's the james bond franchise mm, yeah okay giant asterisk a big glowing neon asterisk is going to come with the statement i like i really like the james bond franchise me too yeah it's especially the further back you go especially in the connery days and some roger it is problematic (laughs) a f capital a capital (laughs) f put it on a billboard problematic as fuck yeah, but I do, I do love like the crazy spy hijinks and like the little adventures and, and the scenes and just going to these cool locales and stuff. Yeah. And but man, especially in the Connery days, there's a lot of not cool. Uh, there's a lot of not not cool stuff. Going I'm on sure, there. and yeah. it's not even like oh you're being sensitive. It's like no, that's fucking sexual assault. What he's doing right there, like that's not okay. Like that's it's yeah. not this is it's not even arguable. Yeah, but uh, we were just talking about doing one of the like at, the other day. That's funny you asked that. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I I, lo- I like I'm looking forward to the next one with Daniel Craig. I I like him as Bond. Um, I started mm-hmm. watching Bond in the Pierce Brosnan days, as a lot of folks my age did, and then went back yep, and watched the old ones. And like I remember loving Goldeneye. But I mean, mostly because I also love the game, and I think that's what makes it stick in my brain is the mm-hmm. game paired with the movie. But like. I know there was some problematic shit in that. Just what I remember of that movie. So like, yeah. Well, he is with his like quips and like money pen. He is walking problematicized. Like he is, yeah. he is problematic personified James Bond. Like he, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I know those are ones I feel guilty about loving and enjoying. Yeah. I definitely do. But. And there's ones I won't watch because it's it's so bad. It's some of the more yeah. famous ones, classic ones, or some of the worst offenders. For sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's 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 I think but it's important to talk about that stuff. And I do like that if there's yeah. one that you want to bring on and you're broached with, you know, homophobia or fat phobia, sexism, racism, whatever mm-hmm. in that movie, you point it out, you call it out, you'll make fun of it, you know, you you Yeah. You punch up. And I so appreciate that. That's the thing and I'll say about the show too is it's this is not our show is not like a tear stuff down and like let's rip on B movies show. We go into the half, we go into the break. We all want to like the movie. Right. We're all out to, we all are hoping we like it. We're all hoping this is not a another let's talk shit and laugh about this like shitty movie that uh, like no no, we go in it, the whole point is it should be uncertain. We don't know and we hope it's good. Yeah. But I yeah, think, like you said, we will call stuff out if it's fucked up. Yeah, and I think that's what the heart of the sh- what makes the show so great is that heart of it, and the fact that you all play so well together and know each other so well. I think also mm-hmm. helps with that. Um, all right, well, this has been awesome, Pat. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, Thank we you for having even, me. We didn't even get a chance to talk about your Disney obsession, maybe in part two. Um, <laughs> But uh, I should. Oh, it's really. Fu- <laughs> I can't about that. I yeah. should literally be there right 
now as we're recording this because this week we are recording this was supposed to be one of our trips as a family down to Disney World that of course we had to cancel because of course of I didn't I'm not complaining look <laughs> compared to a lot of people in the world in their country right now I'm in a very good situation I'm safe I'm healthy I have a home I have a family and we had we have income like we yeah. are very fortunate and I haven't uh on what would have been like the first day of, of our vacation, I actually wrote a tweet about like, ah, oh, I should be finishing a brunch on vacation. And then I immediately deleted it. Cause like, you know what, man, there are people out there really going through some shit. And yeah. at the end of the day, um, I'm very, very fortunate. So I'm going to shut the fuck up and not complain. Cause it's, right. it, yeah, I'm really lucky. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we should be, we <laughs> internally in our house, my wife and my sister-in-law and, and we're like, Oh, we should be there now having drinks. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, but hopefully I hope, if you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're yeah. staying safe and healthy and sane and sane. Yes. Uh, and wash too. your damn hands, please. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but before we wrap up, I do want to ask you one final question since you've done, you've, you do a lot of different things, but it seems like primarily you are a writer at at heart and you do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for writers, maybe something that you didn't know when you first started writing that might help them get get things out, get things onto paper that maybe you didn't think yeah. of when you first started? Just write. Don't think, just write. It is a lot easier to fix something that's already on the page then write it the first time because you have a jumping off point. So just, just don't think, just don't overthink it. Just write. Don't try to write the perfect sentence. The first time you write it, just let it flow right out I, to keep my flow. When I am, when I'm like flowing, I will literally write. So I don't slow up my speed. I'll literally just put in all caps. Uh, character's name says something snide here if I can't think of exactly what they say or something and I move on and I come back to it later and like I said it is so much easier to improve something that's already on the page than writing it the first time so okay. don't spend hours staring at a blank page just write you can always fix it later that's great I love that that's really good advice um, well, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. Before I have you sign us off, um, give your final pitches where folks can find you on the yeah. internet, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going to make this try as clean as possible. <laughs> on Twitter, Twitter is by far the most active. Uh, I haven't, and it's all the same across the board. Twitter, Instagram is at the Pat Edwards. My website is the Pat Edwards. You can check that out. Dot com. <laughs> um, so. The rundown is um, my first novel, Space Tripping, is available in paperback, ebook, and audible. Uh, the second one is in production and should be coming uh, hopefully before the end of the year, 2020. I have a few short stories that have been published in anthologies. If you go to my website, everything is listed there. The Red Opera is the D&D campaign book. There is a Kickstarter pre-launch page up right now. And if you go to theredopera.com, it will take you there. Or if you go to my website, the Pat Edwards, or my Twitter, there's a there's a link, and you can put your email in to follow the project. You're not committing to anything. You're just saying, send me an email when this goes live, and I'll check it out. You're gonna want to check it out. <laughs> the rewards that we've got. So the campaign itself, awesome, tons of fun. The rewards we're putting together are ridiculous. Like 
custom dice themed to it. We're talking to manufacturers. Custom minis, little minifigures of the main NPCs, DM screens, all the good, good merch. And it's going to be the different award tiers. Check that out. Um, so those are my like writing things. Uh, I do Let's it's Let's Rewatch is a podcast I do. Found wherever podcasts are sold. And I do a show on Twitch every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Geekly Inc. channel called the Happy Hell Hour. We play D&D. We're doing Descent into Avernus. Um, you, if you don't know Geekly Inc., they have a show, Greetings Adventurers. That's one of the... It's probably the most popular outside of like the big three right. D&D podcasts. The ones I won't name. But there's like the <laughs> super dupe... So like it's like they're like... It's the super duper famous ones. They're probably the biggest, most popular. That's not those super super duper <laughs> famous ones. <laughs> um, and one of the hosts of that show, Tim Lanning, is our DM for our Descent into Avernus. Awesome. That's all super cool. Um, I will mm-hmm. post links to as much of that as I can remember. But if I don't link everything, honestly, uh, <laughs> go if you go to thepetedwards.com, you can see everything. You can sign up for my newsletter there too. There you go. It's called a- my newsletter. Hi, my newsletter called Hi All My Buddies. It, it's a great newsletter. I'm on it. I love getting it. I love when it shows up in my inbox. Mm-hmm. And, I actually uh, love on your newsletter that you feature other artists. I think that's really cool. That like other yeah. creators and stuff. Like you always feature a different one. And like this is the person I enjoy. I think yeah. that's really cool. They're short. They're sweet. If you get in there, it's literally a, if there's anything interesting going on with my stuff, I'll let you know. There's always a creator spotlight. And I try to have some kind of content, whether it's artwork from a project I'm working on or a short story I wrote, just something to enjoy. This is not, a, I'm going to drone on about my life for you. It's, <laughs> here's some cool shit that's happening. Here's a really cool person that's making cool shit. Check them out. Uh, here's some brain candy for you. Done. Awesome. Well, uh, the Pat Edwards. Thank you for being on the show. The last thing I'll ask you to do is we have a saying on the show, which is music is life and life is good. The idea that if you're creating, life isn't that bad. So if you could just sign us off with that, we will wrap up the show. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashcords.com or hit us up on Twitter at CrashCordsWeb. Thanks for listening. Hello, you wonderful human being. How do I know you're a wonderful human being? Well, if you're hearing this message, it means you're listening to a certain POV podcast, and that makes you awesome. Thanks for your support. This is Pat Edwards from the Let's Rewatch podcast. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm an author. My latest project is a new 5th edition D&D campaign book called The Red Opera. Inspired from the musical album and stage show of the same name, The Red Opera sends you on a twisting saga through dark and dangerous city teeming with intrigue, magic, death, and betrayal. And warlocks. This book is lousy with warlocks and all the mischief that comes with them. (laughs) So here's what I need from you, you delightful slice of podcast listener cake. Go to the pre-launch page on Kickstarter and simply enter your email to follow the project. You're not committing to anything. You're just saying you'd like an email notification when the Kickstarter goes live. And then you can browse the truly outstanding reward tiers we've added to decide if you'd like to support the project. 
To find the pre-launch page, you can either go to theredopera.com, or if you go to my Twitter handle, at thepatedwards, my current pinned tweet has a link. Again, thank you so much, you beautiful spoonful of human sugar. Love, Pat.